Hey there, I'm Ben, and you're... Chuck. <laughs> Chuck. And you're Philip, and we're talking about what happens next. Mate, something has been on my mind recently, and I feel a bit worse for wear right now. Of, I think lack of sleep and too many drinks is catching up with me, nursing a bit of a cold as a result. Tell me, how do you cope going to work the next day with a big hangover? Yeah. It's certainly the season for it. Look, there's no there's no surefire rule that I follow, but generally I find that you need a lot of liquid, preferably a sweet fluorescent green lime cordial. I find that... What do you mean? Like a sports drink? N- sports drinks are good, yeah, but they're expensive. So if you just get like a cheap lime cordial, but not like the good Schweppes one, like a, you know, the really unnaturally green ones. Oh, the ones where clearly no real guavas yeah. used to make it. <laughs> yeah, those ones. Yeah. That that sort of really sugary lime cordial, just glass after glass after glass of that, I find does wonders. Throw in the odd can of Coke, full strength, and then get the grease in early with some chili on. So, just a, even just a scrambled eggs with a bit of Tabasco or Chirazza chili sauce. What just does the to get- Tabasco or I fi- spicy sausage do? I find it just gets all the systems working again and gets the toxins out of the body. You mean alertness or your bowels? <laughs> your bowels. <laughs> your bowels. You might sweat a bit out, sweat a bit out from the chili as well. And then just smash through the green cordials, can of Coke around 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And then for lunch, I'd like to have a spicy Asian noodle. All right. Okay. So, like a, a quite a hearty lunch of like the flat egg noodles with a, a spicy sort of sauce through it. Very nice. I find that with maybe with another Coke, another few cordials or a sports drink. And yeah, by two o'clock, you, you're right as rain. You can go again. I like how you talk me through every possible swallow, bite, bowel <laughs> movement and bladder squeeze. I just thought you'd say a general answer of, <laughs> oh, a few sugary drinks, bit of caffeine. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Carbs. But yeah. I, I, I quite appreciate the minute to minute Sorry, uh, the, the food itinerary. Yeah, a couple of strong black coffees with the eggs in the morning also gets the digestion going. So, yeah, those with the cordials is a must must do early on. So, you basically have everything working as a funnel to try and harvest <laughs> the perfect grog bog, yeah, uh, which will basically ensure that as much alcohol as possible has made its way into a compressed fecal matter brick. You- if you have to go to work, you need the grog. You don't want to be taking a, a grog bog into the office. You want it. You want to get rid of that bad boy at home before you <laughs> leave the house. You don't want that one sitting with you on the bus on the way to work. Have I told you before, over ten years ago, in a previous job a long time ago, that my workplace had a sick room, like a dedicated sick room where, oh, like a sick bay, like sick you used bay, to have at school, yeah, 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 with a little camp camp stretcher to go yeah. and lie down on, yeah. And on two occasions, one I did an all nighter, non work related project, and I was, I was just tired. On another occasion, I was actually very hungover. I went to the sick bay, closed the door, and just squeezed out a cheeky four hours sleep. <laughs> <laughs> no one even saw you. No one no, knew. I put a chair behind the door, oh. not like to lock it, but if someone was to open the door, the legs squeaking against the floor would alert me that someone was coming in. So you could just go. But it's sick bay, right? You could so, just go, oh, I'm just not feeling well. Yeah, sick bay. It's a bed. But if you're like, 
<laughs> just smelling of like a lot of beer. Yeah. yeah. That I, I got smelling to, like I got to work. Kebab you had at three in the morning. And I, wa- I walked in. And I knew I could time a ninety-minute perfect, pitch perfect performance of being someone who is well slept and yep. sober, totally in control. But I knew yeah. that I would lose it by about ten thirty or ten o'clock. So I basically went hard, went early, did some work. You know, happy uh, office guy. Yeah. Coffee punch, with the guy. Punch out a few emails. How was your night last night? Great. Good episode of X-Files. Everyone's happy. Did some, did some work. And then I went, then I mysteriously vanished at around <laughs> 10.30 and slept till about 2.30. That's great. And to this day, 10, 15 years later, I look back on it with this romantic <laughs> sense of- Because it- the idea of sleeping at work, yeah, it's like the Mile High Club being paid to sleep. Yeah, it's the Mile High Club <laughs> equivalent in the workplace. Yeah, it's the one meter above sea level sleep. But yeah. I, I would have a micro sleep at my desk every day. How? I'll, I'll be reading a document on the screen normally after lunch, so around two two thirty. Normally about half an hour after lunch, and my go to is the crossing of the arms across the chest <laughs> and I'll just do that and that just induces the nods and that just gets the uh, the little micros going. And, and what actually wakes you up? Is it the nod sensation? I think it's the nod and then the startle and then you kind of the startle oh. thinking, did anyone see that? Yeah, it's the embarrassed startle. Yeah, and it's amazing how many people do see it. Do you dribble? No, but I'd, I would do that. I reckon do that four days out of five. Right. And it's always the arms across. And it feels so good to be almost falling asleep. And I know all I've got to do is get up, go for a walk or uncross my arms or make a phone call or something. But I don't. I just, I'm like, this feels so good. I'm just going to stay here in this little cocoon and pretend that I'm not at work, almost falling asleep, but not quite. I once put my head on the table in my arms because no one was around me. I think it was like a Melbourne Cup day. And yeah. we had gone off in frocks and suits yeah. to the pub. And I was still yeah, there. you can sleep like that. And yeah. no one else was around. I put my head down. And I just remember, it wasn't quite the cheek satisfaction of lying in a bed hmm. at work. Still pretty It was pretty close. Because yeah. I could actually put my head down and fully relax. Unlike getting the nods on the train or driving. Or what you can do is go into a meeting room with your back to the door armed with a pen and a few highlighters, a few post-it notes, put them on the desk next to you, put some papers in front of you with a pen in your hand and just put your, put your elbow on the desk <laughs> resting, on your, resting on your hand. As long as someone who walks past can see that you got a pen and some papers in front of you, they don't know that your eyes are shut and you sound asleep. It's pretty sad. So what happens next is that we need to invent some sort of device. I've got it. You know those chairs people wear at a sporting game and it's basically a leather sling for your ass with a single leg hmm. and you stick it in the ground like a cricket stump and you sit hmm. on top, right? Mm-hmm. What if you had that for your forehead, hmm. right? And little tripod legs hmm. and you lower your head so hmm. your forehead is in a little sling like a yeah. people, people make these for um, plane travel. Oh, like that ostrich thing I've seen where you put your entire head. Yeah. That's just ridiculous. And you- It looks very weird. And so, you can sleep without your chin falling forward, hurting your neck. 
It's like a sling for your head, isn't it? Yeah, there's different versions. There's one which is holding your head What's back. What's the ostrich? The ostrich, it's like a pillow that you put your head in. Hmm. And I think you put your arms into it as well. And then you lie forward. So, it takes uh, out all the light entirely. Yeah, I think I've seen that one. I don't understand why it's got padding. Because to me, they just make it hot. But I think it's like, it's like a pillow that you put your head into. Yeah. So, it's dark. And it also insulates against noise. And then you can lean forward or to the side. How do you breathe? I know. I think there's a part for your mouth. Could be a bit claustrophobic. Yeah. Or but it's like a donut. So, it's like being on a massage table with your face through that little hole. Yeah, but I think your eyes are covered as well. So, only your mouth is visible. Because <laughs> the idea is- it Sounds doable. Like, it sounds worth investigating. Yeah. I think the idea is when you put a bit of pressure on your eyelids uh. in meditation- to relax afterwards, like yoga, it's quite relaxing. So, to actually have, it's like a balaclava or, you know, like the Americans call it a ski mask, but except for eye holes. So, it's just the mouth hole. Yeah. And it's like the effect of wearing an eye mask. Yeah. So, that when you open your eyes, yeah. it's still dark. Yeah. Yeah. So, you've got absolute blackness. Mm. Some sound is taken out because the yeah. ears is- Sound well. is key on planes. But, I mean, packing that thing- like, pulling it out of your, out of your briefcase? <laughs> yeah. Uh, see you later. I'm just <laughs> going to put my ostrich on. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, what happens next? If we were to recommend the ideal way to get to work the next day with a hangover, we'd suggest take advantage of the sick bay. Yeah. Take your sugars, your ca- caffeine, your carbs- and your uh, Tabasco sauce. I, I think it's- To bring on a grog bog, absorb the alcohol, and stay alert. Yeah. Grog bog quickly. Chili, caffeine, conducive to grog bog getting discharged. And then liquids, sugars, and then another big serve of spicy carbs at lunch. Just to make sure it's all, go- <laughs> all going south. <laughs> but I basically follow the rule that just eat and drink your way out of it. Basically, so I'd, I'll throw in even like a toasted sandwich at morning tea time or something just to, but it's sort of got to be real food. You can't just go and have a pie or a Big Mac because that's just going to make you feel worse. Do you know what I mean? Like it's actually as bad as this food that I'm saying sounds, it's actually still real food. It's like, you know, it's just a stir fried noodles or something. It's not, yeah, it's, it's not like it's white bread with sugar in it like a Big Mac. Yeah. It's, it's or, like, it's not like, meal I'm not or, saying go have a, go have like a Big Mac and 20 McNuggets. That's just going to make you feel worse. Yeah. It's got to be stuff that you would normally <laughs> eat. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Dr. Phil. You're welcome. <laughs> what other problems of the world do we want to solve tonight? We could talk about air travel in general. I mean, we've touched on it with the head sling techn- <laughs> technique. What are your thoughts but, on people but what, yeah, taking what, their socks off? As bad as it is on the plane... And it is bad on the plane. And there's a lot of these social media air traveller- Buzzfeed list of 10 things you should or shouldn't do on the train, on a bus. Yeah, but people actually taking photos of people clipping their nails on a plane and stuff. Like, clipping their toenails on a plane. Is there a photograph of that guy wearing his underpants? (laughs) (laughs) He's He's taking his pants off and his shoes and socks and he's lying there. Sitting there, and there's a guy next to him. On the plane. Yeah. Going, what the fuck is going on? This guy is there asleep. And there's nothing you can do. In his underpants. There's nothing you can do, right? If you turn to put some clothes on, you risk some sort of mid-air 
incident, you know, and make the plane divert or something. As bad as it is on the plane, and I do find them claustrophobic, hot, cold, noisy, disgusting, toilets don't get cleaned often enough, the food's bad, people have got no idea how to behave, no courtesy for other people, people wear the worst clothes on planes, people don't wear shoes on planes, people will board an aircraft wearing bare feet, like walking across the tarmac in bare feet, I'm like... So those spare feet have just walked through a dirty airport across a dirty tarmac and now you're just going to sit them next to me in a confined space with recirculated air for the next 14 hours. That's just- those people go to the toilets with bare feet. Yeah. That's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Like there will be wetness on the ground. Yeah. Either urine or water, but yeah. likely to be urine. The way that men piss in a plane, which is generally smooth, unlike a bus or a train. Oh, you look at the way men piss in a toilet that's not going anywhere. It's just standing still. It's disgusting. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just find it astounding. Yeah. And so, you're standing there and feeling you're on your feet. Then you go mm. back to your seat, mm. curl your toes up on your chair. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. And then someone will cough in your general direction and you'll be like, oh, don't cough on me, man. I was like... Oh, we had the phantom farter all the way from Abu Dhabi to Sydney. Really? Who just decided to just let just the... crop dust. ...silent and deadly ones go. <laughs> and I remember... It's just It got bad serious. when the flight attendant pulled her curtain, desperately hoping that that... Oh, wow. She preferred to be next to the toilets with the curtain than the... That's disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I remember thinking to myself, like, why? Like... Yeah. There were no children around me, so it was clearly an adult. Why did they have to do that? Go to the toilet at least oh, as yeah. a fan, an extraction fan. <laughs> but to sit there with your chair just and crop, just sit Crop there. dust. Well, not even crop dust. So you're, you're just it. doing it. You're just letting it. You're spraying it from the aerosol of your arsehole yeah. from one location. It's pretty shameless. It totally like it's, shameless. You can pretty much zero in on the, on the source. I did. Yeah. I did. Did you publicly humiliate this person? No, but I did a few of the... Oh, Evil eyes. Oh, and the uh, the sudden kind of jerky movement of... What's that? What's, what about, what's what about that? a few... Oh, you've got to be kidding, mate. Like, seriously, mate. Like, come on, mate. Seriously, mate. I did a few mutters where I went, I can't... No, who... No, did they? <laughs> Just that kind of... I can't... I can't breathe. I can't. That's, yeah, that's staccato... Half a sentence utterance or mutter. Yeah. But as as I was saying, as bad as the plane experience is, it's the whole inefficiency of my fellow travellers that just kills me. It's the person who waits in line for 45 minutes, gets to the check-in counter, and then, oh, you want my ticket? Oh, okay. Who would have thought? Oh, I didn't I didn't notice that you're asking every single person for the last 45 minutes who was in front of me for and their my passport. For their pa- oh, oh, you want, oh, and you want everyone Do you want everyone's passport? Oh, okay, sorry. Kids, have you got your pa- your kids passport? Oh. <laughs> okay, and then metal detectors, you know. Oh. oh. So when you say you want me to put metal in there, you mean my car keys <laughs> and my phone. <laughs> my phone as well. Yeah. But it's where it said a plastic case on the outside. Oh, that big sign that said no oh. no aerosols. Oh, I can't put aerosols in. Oh, oh I can't take right. them on the plane? Okay. Because oh. I just thought I could carry on a two-litre compressed can of hairspray yeah. for my two-hour journey yeah. to the state. 
I just assumed that was fine. Oh, and I also assumed that I could just take on, like, two enormous suitcases as hand luggage and pretend that they're, like, the size of a handbag. And then I'll just, like, stuff them into the overhead compartment for, for like, 45 minutes while the queue of people who are still trying to board the aircraft just banks up behind me. I'll just do that. That's that. That's fair. That's efficient. Yeah. So, you're saying that my ticket says how big my bag can be and how heavy it can be and... Google can actually answer that for me as well before I get yeah. to the airport. Ah, right. Oh, and, okay. and my ticket says 38D, but that means I can't sit in 28C. Oh, I thought I could just sit wherever there was a spare seat when I got on the plane. I didn't realise that. You know what I love? I, oh, love yeah. the, I love when people sit in the wrong seat. And I reckon those people would have failed drama at school, but there are some Oscar-worthy performances oh, yeah, yeah. where... Oh, what, what, Jim? Oh. How, how, am I in the wrong? No. Am I? No. Uh, what do you mean I'm not in the exit row? And they're trying to use their Steve Jobs field of distortion where he'd basically convince people of something against their bad judgment. And it's like, you know what? You can tell me that you think you're in the right seat, but as long as my ticket says something and it's printed in front of me as a three-dimensional hard copy... And there is signage above. <laughs> I don't understand how you think you'll possibly convince me otherwise. Yeah. Or the people who are actually making a genuine attempt to sit in the right seat, but just taking way fucking too long to work it out. It's like, okay, the numbers are counting upwards as you walk down the plane. A, B, C, one side, D, E, F, the other. Like, come on, it's not that hard. There's a pattern here. Yeah. There's a pattern. Pattern developing. We- <laughs> you know what's actually worse? The person who makes you feel bad for moving. Yeah. Oh. So, you say, oh, excuse oh. me, you're in my seat. Oh, you want oh. the window seat, do you? Well, oh. that's what my ticket says, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, precious. Oh. Precious well, uh, Yours says B, oh, mine says A, A's window, B's, yeah. B's middle. So I actually that. booked mine earlier ahead of you to get that seat. Yeah. I'm sorry that you weren't as organised and didn't book as far ahead as me or pay as much as me. Fuck you, buddy. Yeah. But to make you feel bad, like you're being... Like it's semantics. Yeah. To say... Oh, oh who cares? We're all on the same plane. What exactly. does it matter? I mean, if, if I, I have to move out to get, let you get in, can't I just move across? Take that away and the world's in chaos. Okay. This is why I love Japan. I love Japan that as repressed as they may be, which is terrible for procreation and general mental stability. I do love that they repress their selfishness or their... No, they repress their expression and cover it in politeness. So when you go to the train station or you do anything, there are lines, there are systems, people comply, there's a politeness. But they it's, don't have a good... They don't care about personal space. But apart from that, they're, they're, yeah, they're incredibly polite and trustworthy and... You and can, follow the rules. You can leave your door unlocked on your house while you go to work all day and, you know... Yeah, and if you line up, everyone lines up. Like, whenever I'm at an event and someone jumps ahead of me, I always think, okay, there's two things here. Either you think that you're better than me, which makes you an a-hole, yep. or you didn't think. Yeah. Either way is bad. Yeah. Either way is bad. When was the last time you called someone out for queue jumping? Jeez, it's satisfying. Oh, no, but this is the thing is that when I do call them out and they get shirty... Yeah. And then make me feel like I'm the one indulging in semantics. Like, yeah. what's your problem? It's like, my problem is that you jumped ahead of me and, frankly, 
Why li- should you? We live in a society and- I calm a- down, mate. Calm down. Yeah. Well, Sit down. Don't worry. We'll all get on the same bus. We'll all yeah. get on the bus. It's like, well, no. Yeah. Well, actually, A, we may not. And B, you get a better seat than me. Mm. I, ca- I got here early. I made the effort. I was organized. Yeah. I hate being made to feel- Yeah. Pedantic about yeah. that. It's like, yeah. you know what? If you think I'm being pedantic, it doesn't mean anything. Get to the back of the queue. Yeah. Like, it clearly means nothing to you. Oh, we're all on the same bus? Okay. In that case, go to the back of the queue. <laughs> yeah. That's what I hate. Yeah. Is that there are if you're so sure that you're going to get on, buddy, back of the queue. Yeah. I-, I was lining up for the Manly Ferry last summer. The queue is so long, it's stretching out of the ferry terminal around Circular Quay. They've put up those metal barricades to sort of form everyone into these queues. It's a big ferry, so you're probably going to get on, but it's kind of like we might not get on. We might have to wait. We'll be at the front of the queue for the next one, but that's like half an hour away. And these two backpackers come up, two young guys come up, and they both kind of went, they sort of looked down the end of the line and went, oh, just jump. I motioned, I just didn't hear. And they just sort of stepped in, like three in front of me, and instinct took over. Like I didn't even think about it. I just went... Oi! And the woman in there's like a, a, a sort of middle aged woman in front of me. She like jumped, jumped. Three, she jumped three feet. It was right. It was right in her ear. Like, <laughs> but I'd it was just instinct. I just went, Oi! What are you doing? And they were like, This is like the caveman instinct. Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was like line up. <laughs> my yeah, wife yeah. was just like, are You right? I'm like, Sorry, I just don't know what came over. It was just like, You will not get in front of me. I'm sorry. There's a clear line here, which is like a hundred meters long. You'll be going to the back of that line. And they looked at me like, yeah, yeah, all right, mate, all right, don't worry, it's okay. And I was just like, you fucker. She's not satisfying, though. I had to apologize to the lady in front. She's like, oh, no, you did the right thing. I'm like, yeah. You know what? I Fucking hate the people I around you like that woman who actually don't back you mm. or think you're being oversensitive. It's like, what's the point? Of- you a favor. What's the point in sitting there and just being dirty at them the whole time? Like, don't piss off. Totally, totally. I don't understand that people can do it. Actually, there's something worse than queue jumping, which I find to be in the same zone, but worse. And that is people that litter. Yep. I do not understand it. No. Because basically you were saying, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it, fuck it. I'm going to drop this can or this wrapper. Yep. And I either genuinely do not give a shit what happens 20 seconds later with the wind or whatever, or I... Do know, but I don't care. Or the smoker who just oh. just doesn't make the slightest effort to, to look for a bin. Yep. They don't even stub out their cigarette. They just flick it onto the road. Yep. Knowing full well it's going to wash into the gutter and out into the harbour. When I'm, dro- when I'm driving oh, car, that kills I me. see that kind of uh, those sparks that someone flicks their cigarette out the window. I'm just thinking, what are they thinking? Like, that goes into stormwater. It goes to the beach where they may go and swim on the weekend. Yeah. Like... What are if you thinking? if you find a dirty cigarette stub so disgusting that you don't want it in your car, what the fuck are you doing smoking it in the first place? Well, they're already smoking in their car. It's not exactly. Like, if they stub their cigarette out in the designated cigarette ashtray that they have in their car, yeah, it won't change the smell of the car. No, it's already fucked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but they don't want to have to empty out the ashtray because ashtrays are fucking disgusting. But they're quite content to smoke that ashtray. Actually, what's even worse than that, I've always found, is the people that smoke. Have we talked about this before? We were travelling around the Great Ocean Road 20-odd years ago. And we were at somewhere like the... Is it the Seven Apostles? The Ten Apostles? Twelve, I think. 
12, but half of them have fallen into the ocean. Yeah. And so, it's an amazing view. So, you're there by looking at one of the most spectacular views of the environment in the world. Cliff top, hmm. sandstone structures rising out of the ocean, the waves are pounding below, and looking at my feet covered in cigarette butts. And this joker next to me smokes, doesn't even just stub out his cigarette, he just flicks it into hmm. the bush in front of him. Now, putting aside the risk of fire danger with a bushfire in summer, how can you admire that view on one hand? Yeah. And then seconds later... Trash it. Trash it. Yeah. And I actually said something to him. I said exactly that. I said, mate, how can you do that? You are there admiring the beauty of nature. Whether you believe in a god or you don't, you can admire that this is something phenomenal. Yeah. Created naturally or not. Well, you've clearly driven here to look at it. Yeah. You clearly value it enough on your bucket list. And then you just flick your artificially Mm non-compostable piece of nicotine filter into the bushes in front of you. Put it aside, of course, it might have caused a bushfire. Uh, that to me, I just—it blows my mind. <laughs> How did he take it? I almost wanted to push the fucker over. Oh I yeah, that story about the incident—they'd call it the incident at yeah. you know so and so lookout. The slap. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It'd be like the, the tourist, smackdown, the tourist uh, sightseeing version of the Australian book and TV series The Slap. Yeah, where one small incident leads to a tragedy that kind of resonates for decades. In but relationship. was he? Was he not? Justified in laying that smack down yeah. on, the, on him in the first place. Was he responding to this cigarette stub? Or was he responding on behalf of millions of people around the world <laughs> yeah. trying to save the environment? Yeah, gold. What happens next for you these days? If you see someone breach a social norm, oh, I call, do you I that call people it. call it or I not? call it. I call it. I mean, we don't live in a, in a society where guns are as prevalent as some others. So, if you call someone on it, it's unlikely they're going to pull out a, a 9 millimeter and threaten you with it. So, I picked my targets. I probably wouldn't have abused the Q-Jumper if it was clearly a Hells Angels bikey or something, but I don't back down from anyone. I'm, I think I'm, I'm Batman. <laughs> I busted some young kids the other day. Did I tell you this? No. Uh, I was playing. Did you, were they busting rhymes and you came in and said, dudes, dudes, California love. <laughs> like this. California love. Um, yeah, they were, they were on my golf course and it's private property. I told them to fuck off politely. On your golf course? My golf as course. As a member? I'm a member. It's private property. It's private. Were they throwing a roby or a frisbee? No, they were throwing the tee markers around. Oh, well, fuck them. Yeah. I was by myself. I was, I was just there practicing. It's like late on a Saturday afternoon. Wearing your check pants? Yeah, I was, your I was in golfing attire. I had my shirt tucked in, college shirt. Your white polo shirt. And I said, uh, what's going on, boys? Oh, we're just, uh, we're just uh, waiting for someone, waiting for me. I said, oh, do you want to go and pick that up? What? 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 I said, oh, you going to pick it up since you've been throwing it around? And they were like trying to get all tough. They're like 14. It's like five of them. And I said, private property fellas, so you can wait for your mate outside. Oh, well, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, oh, I guess I'll just call the cops. While I'm waiting for them, I'll just take some photos just so they can identify you. So, I pulled my phone out, pretended to be taking photos of them. And then they're all like, oh, and then they ran off. 
It's pretty good. See, I thought you'd mention you pull out your one iron or a drill. Well, that's the thing, right? So, what are they you, getting? You're there with like 10 bits of metal. Yeah, like there's five of them and there's one of me, but I've got, yeah, I've got a, a whole quiver a whole arsenal at my disposal. A quiver of metal. A quiver of the selected weapons of choice. Yeah. Actually, I think your solution, though, which is taking out the camera, as our What Hammers Next solution to all these problems, you can pull out a camera on a Q jumper. On someone putting their dog shit into your bin. Oh, yeah. On someone stubbing out a cigarette at the beach. Yeah, And you know what? You pull out a camera and not say anything. Yeah. And you'd get a reaction of defensiveness. That's what- I didn't say, I'm taking taking photos of you. I just- I held it in front of me as if I was. And they're like, like, oh, you're taking photos of me, you pedo. It's like, okay, cops will be here in a minute, you know. But I I did get some good photos (laughs) of (laughs) me. A mate of mine who's a, lives across the street has a lot of problem with people parking in his driveway. And so, if you ever see someone doing it and they're like, what's the big deal? He's like, he just he just gets his phone out and pretends to be taking a photo of their license. And every time, they just drive off. Freaks them out. Genius. Freaks them out, yeah. Yeah, I once took a photograph of a couple of dogs of their dog tags. From people not picking up their dog shit? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I mean, I wasn't even close enough to get a photograph of the tag. I wasn't going to grab a strange dog by the collar, but the fact that I got my camera within about half a meter of their collar because their dog tags have the owner's phone numbers on it, exactly. And then I've, and people said, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I think you know what I'm doing." And they're like, "Why are you doing it?" And I said, "Well, I think you know that as well." <laughs> and then what do they do? And oh. they said, you can't do that. And uh-huh. I said, and I always jump ahead. I go, "Yeah, shoulda, woulda, coulda. Yeah, 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 yeah." yeah. I said, "Mate." Just pick up the dog poo and I just walk away. Yeah. And because I've just bypassed about 18 questions in their brain, yeah. they're usually at that point kind of a bit speechless and then they just, yep. you know, like, what are you going to do? You're going to yell out like, make me? No, they just kind of stew all day in their workplace and perhaps shoot out half their office with a handgun. Not my problem. Yeah. But at least you're not going to step in their dog shit on the way home. Exactly. Exactly. But I, I think you're right, though. It, Here's the funny thing, though, about that I think in our you, culture. We're I think a- you've got to be ruthless. you just got to call people on it and just yeah. go, no, nah, you're not going to change people unless you do it. But I think it's an irony that your solution, which is a great solution, which is play out your camera, it's so funny that those same people would happily do a selfie left, right, and center on social media, right? It's not like they're actually concerned about their privacy. But what, rather than being a glory selfie where you're seeing the best of them, a trendy cafe having a smashed avo on toast with a deconstructed coffee and looking all glam with the right lighting. You're taking a photograph of them committing a social faux pas. Yeah. Or if not, a minor crime, you know. Yep. And I also think it's because they feel disempowered because when they take 18 photographs of Duckface to try and get that portrait lighting perfect, yep. they control it. They control where that photograph goes, how it's taken, they control the entire thing from A to Z. But when you take a photograph, they've got no idea where that photograph will go. It's that fear of how you misappropriate their image. And the reality is, if someone's doing something dodgy and you take a photograph, you don't have to Photoshop it or do anything to alter it. Pictures speak a thousand yeah. words. And that's their problem is that they know that they've, they've been basically framed like... Essentially, it's like a modern version of the CCTV security camera yeah it is it is like you say it just they see you doing it 
and there's nothing they can do. I mean, short of running after you and grabbing the phone out of your hand, it's a pretty powerful weapon. And it's legal. And it's legal. And you might not even actually be doing anything. You might just be pretending like, you know. Because by law, as I understand in Australia, you take a photograph of anyone in public, it's what you do with that photograph. Yeah, exactly. It's only if you post it or- So, if it's like revenge porn or yeah. defamation or you sell it for financial gain against their wishes without, without a clearance, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But actually taking the photograph itself, unless in, in public, yeah. not like you in private property, as I understand it from privacy law, that's as uncomfortable as people may feel- because you don't know where that photograph will end up. The actual act of taking the photograph is actually generally lawful, right? Yeah. And that's what people hate because they know the So, now I feel bad because I see people throwing their cigarette butts out in the city all the time and I don't say anything and I feel like I should. But I find smokers are very aggressive as a very gross generalization. But oh, 100%. And they are so defensive about the fact that they smoke. Yep. They're defensive about it, but for no good reason. And- I have zero tolerance for smokers in all sorts of reasons. Like, it gives me the absolute shits. In one of the previous jobs I had, people started getting stand-up desks. And at that particular company, the HR department freaked out because it was different than normal, right? And this was in that wave of when it first started where sitting was the new cancer was the expression. Yeah. Or sitting is bad for your smoking, yeah. And what annoyed me was that they got all uppity and funny about people either requesting the company to buy them stand-up desks or they brought in their own. Either way, it was a problem. Hmm. It shouldn't have been because companies spend money and time putting on CrossFit and yoga and diet seminars, whatever, all the time. So, theoretically- Or supplementing your gym membership and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Theoretically, they should have just very quickly researched it themselves and supported it. But no- it was all too hard, all too hard. Like, the, the response was, oh, if we say yes to this, then everyone want to do it. And my answer to that was, well, isn't that good? Yeah. Right? Like, if that makes them healthier or fixes their backs or helps the blood flow, that's not a bad thing. But what really annoyed me was this particular employer at the time, they're based in the city, and they actually provided ashtrays outside the offices so the employees could smoke on the street near the entrance yeah, with the dedicated wall-mounted ashtray and often smoke, you know, 10 times a day. So two things. Let's make it convenient for them to smoke by providing ashtrays and B, let's allow them to do that when they're, you know, spending an hour per day yeah. of work time. Yeah. You know, oh, f- just, f- just five minutes. Well, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Yeah. That really annoyed me. What happens next if I ran a company and I was an employer? I wouldn't be accommodating smoking in that way. I just think, why not accommodate good things that people do? Like, if someone wants to do meditation, accommodate that. If someone was going out for a coffee to buy a takeaway coffee 10 times a day. Yep. Perfect example. He'd be like, come on, mate. How many coffees do you need? Seriously? Like, do some work. Yep. Oh, no, I'm addicted to cigarettes. I've got to, I've got to smoke, man. If someone went out, out no. and had a light beer for, <laughs> yeah. ten, for 10 minutes, yeah. for 15 minutes every two hours in a day, mm. you go, mate, you can't, what are you doing? Yeah. Or a donut. If someone went out and had a donut for five minutes, <laughs> because actually, if you catch a lift in the city and you go down, you know, 20 levels, 
and have a cigarette, it, it's 10 minutes. Oh, right? by the time you wait for the lift. Yeah, totally. If you went and got a donut mm-hmm. every hour mm-hmm. in your day, people would just say that's unacceptable. Yep. You'd be fat shamed. You'd be made to feel bad, made to feel greedy, unhealthy. But smoking is fine. Yeah. Even though obesity is killing us at a greater rate than lung cancer. Oh, that's fine. You can do that. Yeah. Ban donuts, ban smoking. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you could have a dedicated smoking room on each floor. And then you'd be like, you really like smoking, do you? You really like smoking? Well, go into that disgusting... If you ever want to like experience something that's seriously disgusting, go to one of those smoking rooms at an airport. Oh, so I think that a time traveler has actually heard our podcast about what happens next. Yeah. Dealing with smokers, because I was in Abu Dhabi airport, and they had one of those smoking booths. Yeah. I kid you not, I'm pretty sure it was about the size of one and a half phone booths. Oh, so it was like a for one person at a time. No, it oh. was for like six. Yeah. And there were six people inside, and just, it was so smoky. It's just disgusting. It was like looking at a scientific experiment. It was yeah. like looking at- So, not only do you smoke your own cigarette, you passively smoke six other people's. And your clothes will then absorb that smell. Mm. It will sit next to someone on the plane and pretty much give them passive smoking. Through your clothes. Yeah. It was like if someone on a scientific kids program, you know, put a cigarette underneath a glass and just fills the smoke. Six people in there with two waiting outside. Mm. And the weird part was one person finished and slipped out. They're kind of like- Open the door just slightly ajar. Oh, and yeah. Slid out. Yeah. It was disgusting. There's nothing like yeah. And I so, thought they could, like, that's take what a I would do. Of it, mm. And they got really defensive. The smokers. Yep. Yeah. I think it was like being nicotine shamed. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like they are so uppity and defensive and aggressive. If you pulled a smoker up on the street and said, "What are you doing? Pick that up. It's littering. It's going to wash straight into the beach, or straight in the harbour." They'd be like. You know, you would just get absolutely abused to high heaven. If people threw their McDonald's wrapper mm. on the ground as often mm. as a cigarette butt, yep. A, you'd notice it all the time. Because people would just be dropping wrappers all but the time. But McDonald's would be shamed into making it all biodegradable or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kills me. Kills me. But that's what I would do. What happens next? If I had a chronic problem at my office where people were taking smoking breaks all the time, I'd say, okay, from now on, if you want to smoke, you've got to smoke in this room. You can't leave the office to smoke. I don't think people like smoking that much. They like taking breaks. Sure, they need it. They feel like they need a cigarette, but I work directly opposite a smoker, so he sits directly opposite me, and he's in his 50s. He's clearly smoked his whole life. He's got the voice and the lack of teeth to show for it, but he would only smoke. I'm sure he smokes before he gets to work. I'm sure he smokes a bunch at lunchtime. But he has a morning coffee and an afternoon coffee, and he smokes when he goes down and get his takeaway coffee. Yeah, I reckon he probably has two when he gets his morning coffee and two when he gets his afternoon coffee, and that's it. But he's not going in and out all day long. He's having one break in the morning, one break in the afternoon. Yeah, it's perfectly acceptable. People in the office, they get up to get a drink of water from the kitchen, and they'll be like, eyebrows to their friend, let's go get a drink of water from the kitchen. The other friend will get up and they'll stay in the kitchen for 15 minutes talking, you know, before they go back to their desks. It's it's just as bad, I find. Yeah, I agree. And I think, as you say, if you put people in a smoking glass you know, funnel... Yeah, do you I, really like smoking that much? Well, here you go. Yeah, exactly. You'd find out whether they like the break yeah, and the excuse that a cigarette gives them for a break yeah, or is it the nicotine. And obviously, nicotine is half of it, but... 
it certainly would dilute the attraction of doing it. Totally. Like, and a lot of people like smoking, but they like the social aspect of it. Yeah. They don't actually like the smoking without the social, you know what I mean? Oh, and the camaraderie. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, I think a lot of these people- They like going outside with a friend, having a chat, getting some fresh air, albeit <laughs> smoke affected. Or they like having a smoke with their coffee and then they go out to work. And don't you think they increasingly bond as what they would see as a- Yeah. A victimized minority? Yeah. The outcasts. The outcasts together, you know, yeah. bonding. Yeah. On the scale of cigarette butts is I don't understand people that freaking spit a gooby on a footpath. Yeah. Why? Uh, First of all, there's two levels here. I understand people who spit in general. I mean, maybe if I get a cold once a year, I can understand wanting to get rid of saliva. But regular spitters I don't get. And two... A footpath, by definition, is always, usually, beside a road or a gutter or a garden. Why would you spit on the place that people are walking on, Mm. which they will then... Like, it's... it's, Even more reason for not walking in bare feet. (laughs) Totally. Exactly. (sighs) It's like like you're saying, I'm going to do a gooby here, and I don't care if you step in it. Did I tell you who I saw up at Bronte the other day do a... What's commonly known in Australia as a bushman's blow. Is that like the... No, that's when you block one nostril and forcibly blow the snot out of the other nostril just into wherever it's going. My stepbrothers used to do that and they weren't bushmen and they weren't in the bush. Yeah. They were like in a suburb (laughs) near near a shopping centre and they do camp admittedly every few weekends. (sighs) It was, to me, that was worse than the gooby. It was worse a cr- a crowded, than that. A crowded footpath near, on the edge of Bondi Junction on a Sunday lunchtime and a former international test cricketer is walking along with his partner and did that in front of me, like half a metre from me. Into a garden? Nope. Just under the footpath. Oh! Yeah. He did a bushman's blow on a footpath. Yep. It's disgusting. He was... Drunk? No, he had been swimming. But I'm sorry, by that stage, you were, where he was was a good couple of kilometres from the beach. Like, If you're not wearing Speedos, yeah, like then he, your bushman's there's no, blow. There's no, absolutely no excuse for it. If you've got some bit of salt water up the snores, like, sorry, that's it comes with the territory. Uh, I've got to tell you something very embarrassing. When I go swimming, I inevitably dive under waves. I'm not sure if it's based on my twisted septum. You don't what- put your head under the water? No, what I'm saying is is that I always put my head under the water and I end up with a little reservoir oh. of salt water. Oh, delay. The delay. And yeah, I- everyone gets the delay. No, I will get- Like six o'clock that night sort of thing. Uh, throughout the day, I will bend over to my shoelaces up or whatever. <laughs> and a bit more will dribble out. And there's been occasions when it feels like half a glass of water, <laughs> yeah. of salt water. Yeah. And the worst- No, I get, I get that too. Here's the worst part. I've got a big snores. I've got a I, reservoir yeah. up there. I actually have been in situations romantically with my beloved where we've been to the beach during the daytime <laughs> and then we're kissing oh. and I'm on top of her and- it's the coming. water has come out of my nose. Oh, wow. And dribbled down. Let so, me tell you. 
It is considered to be the most unromantic thing. <laughs> it is like an anti-Viagra yeah, for that's, women. That's just a yeah. It is the spray of salt water from the natural passage. That's the chastity belt right there. Totally. And I actually now, if I was a single man, so what happens next? Do you um, do you put some nose nose plugs up? No. What happens next is if you are a single person or someone who is sensitive to your lover's needs. No, no, no clips in the nose. Synchronized swimmer. No, yeah. Synchronized swimmer clip. <laughs> what you do is you make sure you spend the preceding two hours before intimacy- Pushman's blows. By bending down a lot to just try and get a drain on. Yeah. In privacy, you know? And I would think- Don't you do that anyway just to get psyched up? Get your game face on? <laughs> you just get a bit of <laughs> blood rushing to the head? Yeah, yeah. Just to try and pinch the cheeks with your tan going? With a bit of like Eminem lose yourself in the headphones just to <laughs> psych yourself up? Uh, it's always California love for me. You've only got one shot. Would you take it? Or would you let it slip? You've got just one reservoir of salt water <laughs> in, your twist- in your twisted septum of your nasal, of your nasal passage. What are you going to do? His nose is leaking. He's been swimming. <laughs> but he's horny. What's he going to do? Yeah. <laughs> All right, mate. All right, mate. We're going to call it a night. Let's put a bow on this bad boy and call it a night. <laughs> And put it to bed. Put it to bed. <laughs> let's, put a, let's put a nose clip on this. And yeah. Just swim upside down. Let's put a synchronized swimming nose clip on this bad all boy right. and do a handstand underwater. So, if all of the saltwater nasal dribbles out there, I bid you farewell. I bid you adieu. And all the smokers of the Sydney CBD tomorrow, stand by. You're going to cop it. We'll be watching. All right. All right, Bushman's Blow, 99. See you, mate.